Kippur. Known as the Day of Judgment. It's not literally what Yom Kippur means. We'll get into that in a minute. But it's known as the Day of Judgment because that is what it symbolizes and that is what, uh, what it represents as we look at the Jewish festive year. It comes to uh, its conclusion in the seventh month from going from Passover, counting seven months. So it comes to this conclusion with with Rosh Hashanah, then Yom Kippur, and then Sukkot. Yom Kippur in the middle, kind of a pinnacle aspect of it. Rosh Hashanah being the announcement that we are in this time of judgment. And I believe that we have heard the announcements taking place in the world around us over the last decade or so. The shofars have been blowing. We're in this last age of Earth's history. Things that are happening outside and around us and around the world, as well as what's happening inside, what's happening among God's people, individually and corporately. Things are wrapping up in this world. Sides are being taken. So the shofars are being sounded. The message is getting out there. To get ready, get ready. We are living in these last days. And we had the 10 days of awe, and then we come to Yom Kippur, the last day in that process, the final day of judgment, the final day when the books are open. Books are said to be opened on, books of heaven opened on Rosh Hashanah and sealed on Yom Kippur. Whatever has been decided has been decided on our part and on God's part. That, of course, is all... Uh, symbology of Earth's history, not so much every year. Uh, each and every day we make our choices. Each and every day, what we have made a choice to do that day has been made, or not to do that day has been made. Now, thankfully, we have the gift of repentance where we can turn from that. But still, the decision was made. And as long as we have life, we still have a choice Choices to make. Choices to make regarding that moment, that day. And choices regarding where we're going to go in the future. And choices of what are we going to do about our record of the past. But basically all culminates at Yom Kippur. On that final judgment day. And then after the judgment, again what has been decided has been decided. Five, day later, five days later begins Sukkot. And that's a time of rejoicing. Because if we're still alive, after Yom Kippur, after the ultimate Yom Kippur, we can rejoice because we've made it past and made it through the judgment. And so Yom Kippur is a pinnacle time. And that's the day that we're observing here tonight. It's not so much a balanced scale of judgment. It's not our good deeds versus our bad deeds. For how many bad deeds did it take for Adam and Eve to get kicked out of the Garden of Eden? Just one. One will tip the scale in the wrong direction. And so on Yom Kippur, the records have to be white, clean, purified, washed. All the sins need to be removed, covered, confessed. One stubbornly held on to rebellious sin against God. If let into heaven, it would just grow and manifest itself, and we would have earth all over again in heaven. 
That's why God had to kick it out of heaven. That's why God allowed it only on this earth as a demonstration to the universe of what all of heaven would look like if God allowed sin to reign throughout the universe. And he's not going to let it back in. So it'll be done. It'll be decided. Our choices will have been made. Judgment would have taken place. The wicked would have been destroyed. The righteous would have been given everlasting life. And then we can move on into eternity. Now just as one sin tips the scale in the wrong direction, one righteous act by God tips the scale in the other direction. No matter how many sins we have piled up on the wrong side, if we accept that one righteous act of God, it tips the scale in the other direction. And that's what Yom Kippur is all about. That's what's taking place, what we read from Leviticus 16, what took place on Yom Kippur. The giving of the sacrifices, the bringing of the offering to the Lord, and sacrificing the Lord's goat at the altar in the temple, and his blood being sprinkled seven times upon the Ark of the Covenant. And that blood sprinkling cleansed the records of the people. That one act of God tips the scale in the opposite direction. So from Leviticus 16, verse 30, it says, On this day, atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you of all your sins, and you shall be clean before the Lord. On this day, this day of atonement, this Yom Kippur, that's the English translation of Yom Kippur, day of atonement. On this day of atonement, on this day, atonement shall be made for you. Who is making the atonement for us? Messiah, God. God has provided the atonement for us. His one righteous act tips the scale in our favor. He makes the atonement for us. It's not us making atonement for ourselves. We cannot atone for our wrong deeds. Adam and Eve couldn't promise God, we promised the rest of our life, we'll live 900 years, we'll never do anything wrong, we'll be as good as could be, now that one wrong act, that one wrong choice, that rebellion against God could not be allowed into heaven unless it was cleansed off of their record, out of their minds, out of their character. That's what it goes on to say. On this day, atonement shall be made for you. And what's the purpose of the atonement? What's the purpose of God's grace and mercy and his sacrifice on our behalf? To cleanse you of all your sins. Not just to cleanse your record, but to cleanse you from all your sins. And that's what the Day of Atonement is about. God cleansing us of all of our sins. The record, the past, the future, our character, our minds, our hearts, our desires, God cleansing it and filling it with his purpose. And then God's promise and you shall be clean before the Lord. Why will we be clean? Because God has made an atonement, and God has cleansed us. And we will be clean before the Lord. Powerful promises. 
And that's what Yom Kippur is about. And that's why on the Day of Atonement, the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, who normally would be wearing all very colorful outfit, blues and purples and reds with gold and gems, on it the 12 gems on the breastplate and, and two uh, gems uh, on the shoulders for the Urim and Thurm, and uh, beautiful gold miter on his head, saying holiness to the Lord. But on the Day of Atonement, on Yom Kippur, he took of all those things, which might have been good all year long, with the bells and pomegranates, but on Yom Kippur, takes off all of that, and he puts on only the white, pure linen garment. And goes into the Holy of Holies, only on that day, and not without blood, he brings the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkles it seven times upon the Ark of the Covenant, cleansing it of the sins that have been brought in. And so in the same way, here we are living in these last days, in this time of between Rosh Hashanah and the final Yom Kippur announcement for the last trumpet call. And it's not a be timing to be showing off ourselves, but just being clothed in God's white raiment, in God's righteousness. And so in symbology, we, we wear white, as the Kohen Gadol wore on that day. Even the Torah is dressed in white on Yom Kippur. And we leave the door open until the end of Yom Kippur. Because the, the time of probation, the opportunity is still open. The records are still open until the final moment of Yom Kippur. And then the books are closed and sealed. The ark is sealed. The ark is closed. But the door is still open. Heaven's door is still open. God's heart is still open and still ready for us to repent and turn to him. So Yom Kippur can be termined, uh, interpreted as the day of cleansing, according to that text out of Leviticus 16. It's not a direct translation of Yom Kippur, but, but it's a day of cleansing. It's a day when God is wanting to cleanse us. Not so much a day of judgment, while it is, judgment against those who have rebelled against him, but it's a day of cleansing for those who have opened their hearts and have invited God to cleanse them and to wash them clean. A day of cleansing. And so as we enter into this period of time, searching our heart, allowing God to do his work, of afflicting of soul, of fasting and praying and allowing God to search us and try us and see if there be any wicked way in us. Time of confession, Confession before God, a confession for others that we have openly wronged. Allowing God to make our records right. Time of cleansing. Time of purifying. So, the day of atonement. God atones for the sins and makes us at one with God. It's a wonderful day. For those who love his appearing. For those who've opened their hearts to him. It's a wonderful day. We come closer to him maybe than any other time. So we allow him to atone for us. And to cleanse us. Now, many of us, we pile up our garbage twice a week. 
push it out to the roadside with its smell and its stink, rotting food, sometimes dirty diapers, cleaned out litter boxes, whatever, it's all out there. We push it out to the side of the road and leave it there hoping that the garbage men will come in the morning and take it away. Right? Don't you hate it when the holiday comes on garbage day? Isn't that horrible? Oh, it's just horrible. And then you get stuck with your garbage for a whole another three or four days. It's miserable. You want to get rid of the garbage. That's what David Toman is about. Getting rid of the garbage. And as good as that is that we have that here in America, there's some countries they don't remove the garbage. I've seen it. It's horrible. <laughs> but thankfully here, they take the garbage away. But what if, what if, when the garbage men came and took the garbage away, they left in its place a pot of gold? That'd be pretty nice, huh? And if the gold was equivalent to the amount of garbage you put out, you'd put all the garbage out, right? You'd, do, you'd clean the garage every week. That would be nice. And that is what God does on Yom Kippur. He not only takes our garbage away, he not only takes our sin away, he not only atones for us, but he cleanses us, and then he makes us clean before him. And accounts us righteous before him. See, he doesn't just clean the slate and make it zero. He makes us righteous in him, so that we can stand before him, accounted to our record, all of his righteousness. That's what the Messiah did. When he became atonement for us, he not only took our place and became our substitute for us, not only took our place and took our sins upon himself and died as the punishment of our sins, he also changed places with us in giving us his righteousness. So he traded places by taking our sin, and he traded places by giving us his righteousness. Scripture says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. That we who knew no righteousness might become the righteousness of God in him. That's powerful. That's what he does. He trades places for us. He cleanses us. And he makes us clean before the Lord. Righteous before the Lord. Holy before the Lord. It's a pretty nice gift. It's a pretty nice offer. And we don't have to wait till the Day of Atonement for it. He does that every single day. Not twice a week, but every single moment we will surrender the sins. He will trade places with us. But even with that great offer, some of us like to carry our garbage around with us. 
instead of turning it into the garbage collector, instead of turning it in for the gold of his righteousness, we say, I want to hold on to my stuff. I want to hold on to my anger. I want to hold on to my bitterness. I want to hold on to that resentment. I want to hold on to that unforgiveness. I want to hold on to that selfishness. I want to hold on to this greedy stuff. I want my stuff. I want to hold on to the pride. I want to hold on to my reputation. I want to hold on to my vanity. I want to hold on to my lusts. I want to hold on to it. I want it all for myself. And we just keep piling it on and piling it on. And it just grows and it grows and it grows. Sometimes we like to hide ourselves in it. We don't want anyone to know what we're really like. And so then we add lies to the whole thing and hide under our garbage. And we try and make the garbage look real pretty. We deodorize our garbage cans and you know, make it real nice and, and excuse it away. And it really wasn't sin. It was really, you know, I really had proper motives in doing it. We justify it to ourselves. And it really wasn't just for me. It was for others that I was thinking about. And we make it all pretty and we hide inside our garbage. Instead of allowing God to replace it with the gold. Day of Atonement, day of reminding us to let go of the sins, give it to God, and allow him to replace it with his righteousness. I'd like to give you another analogy. I want to let him cover us with his righteousness. Take away the filthy robes and cover us with himself, with his record of right doing. It's pretty good exchange that he's willing to make with us. So another analogy. Say we got a, a private in the army. He's got his shoes all shined. He's got his pants and his shirt pressed, his tie on nice, and he's got his hat on neatly, and he's got a perfect salute. And he walks up to the general's club and he says he'd like to enter in. Do you think the MP, the military police, do you think they're going to let him into the general's club? No, why not? He's got his shoes shined, he's got his pants and his shirt pressed, he's got his tie all nice and neat and his hat on just right and he's saluting real pretty. He's still an unlisted man. He's still not a general and he still can't get in. He can decide to go home or back to his barracks and shine up those boots even more, press those pants even more, straighten that tie and that hat even better, work on his posture even more. He can make his bed as tight as a drum. Right? And he still won't be able to get in. But now what if a general comes over to visit him and invites him to go with him into the general's club. Now will the MP let him in? Yeah. Now really, our private there, he's got two choices when that general comes to him and invites him to go in with him. The private, well actually three choices. The private can say, no, uh, I'm going to work on my boots here a little bit more. 
I appreciate your invitation. I appreciate your offer. I appreciate letting me come in on your righteousness, on your credit, on your reputation, on, on your uh, rank. But, you know, I've just got to do this myself. I've just got to shine my boots a little bit more. I've just got to press this pants a little bit better. I've got to impress that MP, and he's going to let me in eventually. Thanks, but let me do it on my own. And he'll never get in. Or he can just give up altogether and say, no, thank you, I appreciate the offer, but I've given up on wanting to get in anyway. I've given up on trying, and he can just go AWOL and leave the military altogether and just run you know, away to Mexico or Canada or whatever. Right? He can do those, either one of those two things. Or he can accept the free offer of the general. And walk in, not based on his rank, not based on his doing, but based on the rank of the general. Now, if he does do that third offer and accepts that invitation, a third option, and accepts that invitation, and do you think he will make sure that his boots are still shined? Do you think he'll make sure that his pants are still pressed? And that his tie is still on right and his hat is still on right and that he'll still salute when he walks in? I think so. I don't think he'll say, oh, well, I got this free ticket with this general. Well, I'm just going to go get my uh, torn up jeans here and, uh, and just walk right in, right? Now, what would happen even if he had the invitation of the general and he verbally accepts it But on the way with the general to the general's club, he does some outlandish thing, does some ridiculous thing, does some act of rebellion against the army, maybe curses out some other general or something like that, and you know, maybe shoots off his gun a few times in the air just because he was accepted into the general's club and He's celebrating. Maybe stamps across the flag of the United States. Do you think he'll still be allowed into the General's Club? No. Even though he had the invitation? Even though it was freely offered? Even though he initially received it? He'd get kicked out of the Army, wouldn't he? <laughs> I think our analogy paints the picture a little bit of how God offers us. We can't get into heaven in our own righteousness. We can try and shine our boots all we want. But it is God who makes atonement for us. It's only on his record, only on his righteousness, only on his rank that we're allowed in. And we have three choices. We can continue to try and do it in our own strength, try and throw away all that garbage that we have piled up. We can try and grit it out and determine ourselves in, and we'll still not get in. Or we can give up altogether and just live in our garbage, just do our own thing, 
and not worry about heaven and not worry about the judgment and just live for today. Or we can accept his invitation and accept his power to continue to live a right way. Because even that corporal or that private in the, in, the, in the army there, if the rule says that he has to put his stuff in his, in his locker, would the army provide a locker? Yeah. They won't ask him to do something they don't make provision for him to do. And God doesn't ask us any, to do anything that he has not given us provision to do. See, it wouldn't be right if they said he had to put his stuff in the locker and not give him a locker and say, well, sorry, we, we ran out of lockers, but you still got to put your stuff in the locker. And you're going to be court-martialed to discipline for not putting your stuff in your locker, but I don't have a locker. You didn't give me one. You ran out. Well, it doesn't matter. We don't care. You got the law here. We got this rule here. See, God made his rules. God doesn't change his rules. But he also provides us with all the grace that is needed to be able to follow through with his commandments. He cleanses us and he makes us clean before him. He gives us his righteousness, not so we can just display it before him, but so that we have the power through his power that he invested into us to do the right things that he has commanded us to do so that we can walk into heaven with him. So that when we stand before the judgment seat, we're not standing in our own good deeds. Our past sins and our past garbage has been cleansed and washed away and atoned for because of the blood of the sacrifice sprinkled in our behalf. The blood of the Messiah shed for us. And we can stand there before that judgment seat with our record books open because when God reads that record, he doesn't see our record, but he sees Yeshua's record. And not only Yeshua's record of what Yeshua did, but he sees Yeshua's record of what Yeshua did in us and through us. And thus, we are invited in to the ultimate king's club with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm going to read through a list of traditional sins that are confessed on Yom Kippur. Tries to cover the gamut of them. And so as we read through them together, as the door is still open, as the entrance to the throne of grace, the curtain is still open, for God's heart and the books are still open, I invite us to enter into this confession with the Lord. And as whatever comes to your mind applies to your life, surrender it to God. And even for the areas that might not directly apply to you or to me, they still corporately apply to us because we're all start, still part of the family of God. And we've still inherited that same nature.
for the sin we have committed against you willingly or under compulsion. For the sin we have committed against you by hardening our hearts. For the sin we have committed against you by acting without thinking. For the sin we have committed against you by speaking perversely. For the sin we have committed against you through sexual impurity. For the sin we have committed against you secretly and openly. For the sin we have committed against you knowingly and deceitfully. For the sin we have committed against you by offensive speech. For the sin we have committed against you by wronging our neighbor. For the sin we have committed against you by sinful meditations of our heart. For the sin we have committed against you with unholy associations. For the sin we have committed against you by insincere confession. For the sin we have committed against you by not honoring our parents and teachers. For the sin we have committed against you in presumption or in error. For the sin we have committed against you by violence and anger. For the sin we have committed against you by profaning your name. For the sin we have committed against you with unclean speech and cursing. For the sin we have committed against you by foolish talk. For the sin we have committed against you through evil desires. For the sin we have committed against you, knowingly and unknowingly. If you'll read with me, for all of these sins, O God of forgiveness, forgive us and pardon us in Yeshua's name. For the sin we have committed against you by denying and lying. For the sin we have committed against you by bribing and receiving of bribery. For the sin we have committed against you by scoffing and doubting. For the sin we have committed against you by slandering others. For the sin we have committed against you in our business dealings. For the sin we have committed against you in eating and drinking what we should not have. For the sin that we have committed against you by our arrogance and pride. For the sin that we have committed against you by speaking gossip. By the sin that we have committed against you through doubt. For the sin we have committed against you 
through lustful eyes. For the sin we have committed against you with our proud and haughty eyes. For the sin we have committed against you by our indifference to suffering. For all of these sins, O God of forgiveness, forgive us and pardon us in Yeshua's name. For the sin we have committed against you by rejecting responsibility. For the sin we have committed against you by being contentious. For the sin we have committed against you by tricking others. By the sin, for the sin that we have committed by envying. For the sin we have committed against you by Sabbath breaking. For the sin we have committed against you by being stiff-necked. For the sin we have committed against you by doing evil. For the sin we have committed against you by tail-bearing. For the sin we have committed against you by not fulfilling our promises. For the sin we have committed against you by hatred. For the sin we have committed against you by breaking trust. For the sin we have committed against you by confusion of mind. For all of these sins, O oh God of forgiveness, Forgive us and pardon us in Yeshua's name. We have trespassed, we have dealt deceitfully, we have stolen, and we have slandered. We have acted perversely, we have done wrong, we have acted presumptuously, we have been violent. We have spoken lies, we have counseled evil, we have spoken falsely, and we have blasphemed. We have scoffed, we have rebelled, we have provoked, and we have oppressed. We have been stiff-necked, we have corrupted, we have gone astray, and we have led others astray. But if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, I'm thankful that your heart is open to us. I'm thankful that you've reached out to us. I'm thankful that you've come down from heaven to us. I'm thankful that you've taken a hold of us and you've drawn us onto yourself. I'm thankful, Lord, that you've been moving upon our hearts and our minds. I'm thankful, Lord, that you have given us the gift of confession and the gift of repentance and the gift of sorrow for sin and the gift of conviction. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you've given us the, the gift of your grace the gift of your sacrifice, the gift of your substitution. And Lord, we want to enter into that substitution right now. We want you to take away our garbage and give us your gold. We want you to remove our sins from our record of the past, as well as from our hearts and from our minds and from our character. And we ask, Lord, that you would remove it so far from us that it would be impossible for us to go and get it back, that you would give us a 
hatred for it, that you'd give us a disgust towards it, that you would give us a desire for only good and for righteousness and for holiness and for purity, that you would change our desires, that you would change our mind, that you would change our character, that you would change our tastes and our taste buds and our, and our very being, that you would change us and transform us, covering us and filling us with your righteousness, with your Holy Spirit, with your mind, with your thoughts, with your heart, with your desires. Fill us with your power, with your strength, with the ability to say no to wrong and yes to right, and live out your life in us and through us and for us by your holiness, in Yeshua's holy name. Amen.